Welcome to the great conversation where ideas matter, ideas shape markets, ideas can change the world. And I've just been having a series of great conversations with, um, with fellow attendees uh, of the Protective Intelligence Summit uh, hosted by Antic uh, in Austin, Texas a couple of months ago. And um, I waited this long to have this great conversation with the CEO, as well as the president of Antic to kind of uh, compare notes, but also the notes we've had since the summit with the conversations we've had collectively. I, I do know this though, here, here I'm gonna go back to something I started a long time ago. And I think both these gentlemen, when I, um, uh, when I bring them on, will relate to it. Uh, they probably heard it from me before, uh, but we live in a sensor-driven world. So there's all these sensors out here. And of course, the sensors can be human beings, they can be social media, they can be uh, the dark web, they can be technology uh, surveillance cameras. Uh, and, but all the data doesn't become sensible until, until those sensors put that information as, in an application. That's why we have access control. That's why we have video management systems, right? So we have application layer. And then all those applications, if they're disconnected, people have a problem getting to the information and making sense of it. So we have this idea of integration. And on top of integration, of course, is taking how people perform roles in a process using whatever tools we've given them to create um, outcomes that are good for the organization. I call that process management layer. So every one of these applications has a process that's next to it, pretty interesting. And then finally, th there's two other things. If we're really good at the process management and the integration in the applications, we can apply analytics so we can start making it sensible. And if we can have analytics, then we can report on it and actually uh, uh, generate reports to uh, people who are interested in the information who need to know basis. And then finally, <laughs> finally, if we teach the machine right, we can automate all of this. And suddenly we start getting into something that's very interesting whether you're running an organization or you're running a security department, and that is real-time. Real-time decision-making, real-time data, things get real-time real quick. Now, so that's in my head, gentlemen, when I'm at the Protective Intelligence Summit, right? And, uh, and what, is your, what does your chief product officer do? He introduces the interstate highway. <laughs> And I, I got to tell you something, I came away, I forget if I approached you, Lucas or Tom at the summit with this, but I said it in one of the breakouts toward the end of the summit. And I said, do you understand? And I'm talking to security practitioners, chief security officers, directors of security. Uh, I was talking to executive protective intelligence people, intelligence people. And I go, do you realize if that happens and we can start connecting all these silos of information. Do you realize your career changes because now you're the tail wagging the dog? You're helping the CEO navigate risk and opportunity, which is the main job of the C-level staff of an organization, risk and opportunity, the tail wagging the dog. Now, 
I'm going to shut up, Lucas and Tom, great having you on with the great conversation, but I wanted to start it off because I have been pounding this drum for 30 years, right? And that's the first time I had such a powerful analogy uh, given to me at your summit. So congratulations. Thanks, Ron. Thanks for having us. Good to see you again. I mean, it just got to be careful, though, with that tail wagging a dog because you're giving away the secret that we've been keeping on the long-term vision of the company there, right? It's not just to give people some data, right? We're exactly focused on what you're getting after. We can actually impact the business metrics that matter, the outcomes that a corporation is trying to achieve, right? Which you know, for better or for worse, corporations are, are decently soulless, right? They are financially motivated. And so anything that is risky that gets in the way of their financial outcomes is a problem, right? Uh, so it, it's fine to keep uh, someone safe on a trip, but how does that actually matter? How do you extend just that one moment of safety into an infrastructure and your process management to actually drive towards that outcome that says, you know, hey, there's more to it than uh, just a couple line items on the 10K um, as it relates to business resiliency and uh, continuation. Yeah, it's all about the business. And Tom, Tom, you just must be excited as well. You must have come in, come out of there on a high, that summit. Yeah, uh, thanks, Ron. Yeah, we all did, I think. Um, and one of the things that we walked away with was more of an understanding of what's possible. And I think that was really exciting. So like Luke mentioned, right? I mean, it's more... We're not, we're not just talking security, right? Security needs to be part of the DNA of a business organization so that, you know, we're not talking about trying to just get a seat at the table. We're talking about making sure that security leaders aren't booted out of the room after the problem's been solved, right? And, you know, back to what you were talking about, about application and change management, all that. And that's, you know, that's end state, right? We're really excited about moving um, towards that. I think one of the, one of the, fun things we always have to take into consideration and never forget is that we're still dealing with the human elements, right? Of people and behaviors and old habits or old ways of doing things. So, you know, we're, um, I think we're headed in the right direction. And, you know, again, thanks for having us here for the discussion. Well, uh, let's segue to that. Just so everyone knows, this summit wasn't a bunch of uh, security managers this summit was HR, this summit was legal, this summit had CFOs in it, this summit had security executives in it, risk intel people, this was a very powerful summit. And we're looking at each other, the, some of these people, like mine was a financial breakout, right? Chief legal and financial breakout. And we're looking at each other and we're going, holy cow, we finally have included you in the data picture. You can weigh in and influence the results now. And if you think about integrated systems, we always think of technology, integrated systems are people. And what I was thinking of is you were giving them, it eventually, I'm not sure you can do this now, you ask me, but HR has a contextualized picture of risk. Yep. The legal officer has a contextualized picture of risk, but all those contextualized pictures, if they're in a silo, don't see the whole picture. But the point is you can put it all together now, can't you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Tom was just somewhere this week. I'll let him share in a second. Two weeks ago, I'm with 
a couple clients and uh you know it's the first time these two departments have ever met and realizing like wait a minute you have something that'd be helpful for my job i have something that'd be helpful for your job and then in combining this data putting it into a process where we can both get outcomes that are beneficial the whole organization benefits and so that we're having that conversation real time and you know we talked about it widening the aperture at summit getting other people bought into and understanding uh, what can happen here and i think tom experienced the same thing just a couple of days ago too yeah you know we met with um business leaders of a you know a fortune 50 organization right and they typically even pre-covid have operated in a highly decentralized manner where you have regional teams running operations almost with autonomy, right? And that's that's really good for efficiencies, but it's also really bad when you want to uh, talk about, you know, all playing from the same sheet of music and understanding risk, you know, at the same time. And you talk about contextualized risk, Ron, I think it's super important because I think to any degree, even in the best case scenario, you're going to have contextualized risk. And we need to still have some degree of that because teams need to stay mission focused on their area of operation. They, we need to ensure uh, compartmentalized safety and security of information and data and, and you know, uh, sensitivities, you know, that way and legal and HR are always gonna chime in towards that. But that at the end of the day, how can we, the question is how can we work out systems so that, you know, not just the information flows so that the right people get the right information at the right time, but that you know even human behaviors and, and indications of pre-incident indicators of risk are flowing to the right people at the right time. And I think it's important also, um, you know, sometimes you luck into a strategy. Uh, so I'd be interested in you know a little transparency here. But if you think about it, you started with a simple problem, and that is just create an optimized threat management system. I mean, it was a simple problem. Right, it has a simple process to it. It just the information was all over the map. How can we organize it effectively? How how can we create a great forensics tool that comes out of it? I mean, you started with that. And you still sell that today. You can sell a point solution very easily on a number of different levels. Whether it's OSINT, social, dark web, you know, you you you, you can sell those blades. Uh, did you? Did you stumble onto this system integration, people process and tools, a contextualized picture across the whole spectrum? Uh, I mean, Tom, you wanna dive in or you want me to? Well, you know, I'll just tell you one thing real quick and then Luke, I'll hand it to you. So like we were even just talking today. So it's interesting to see that the continuing value prop, right? Of just things living in the same environment, you know, having a central source of truth it's so valuable and actually will will it'll enhance enhance business efficiencies it'll it'll allow you know certain companies to determine pre-incident indicators of purchasing or risk or any other type of behavior need to monitor for that's important to your business so that that alone at the core is always going to be very important right and then you know and the reason why i know that luke and i you know partnered together on this is when we started developing ontic was because he had a, a vast experience when it came to the analytics of external data, right? And how to get everything to live in the same place and understand that, you know, and I think that's where we need to bring everything we do to life. It can't just sit in storage and be, you know, static. Yeah, I think there's a, similar to that note uh, that Tom shared, I think there's a benefit of experience and there's a benefit of the DNA uh, that we brought as well. So the experience of, you know, we aren't 
all just security practitioners. We aren't all just technologists either, right? We're combining skill sets and different points of view because, you know, this is not the only domain in which something like this has been done. Taking a bunch of data, expanding on the opportunity, finding new, this is not the first time that's happened, right? That's happened in a bunch of other departments already to solve a bunch of other jobs. But then in our DNA is also this idea that we're continuously uh, restless and looking for adjacent problems that can be solved because that has also been done before, right? So how do you go look for it? Now you have to be careful you don't become something else, right? You can't do everything. So there has to be some boundary there, but that's where I think setting appropriate vision and mission for the company is key to say, does this align to our mission, to our core values? And does it help that job get done? So expanding outside of, right, the point solution into saying, wow, there are a lot of jobs that are tangential to this that can also get done at the same time. Um, and, and look, we unfortunately also bring on some great people that have built amazing companies to help us see around the corners too, um, to anticipate both opportunity and risk um, in our approach, you know, year after year. Well, I think you also explained that very well in uh, uh, with Manisha's uh, interstate highway analogy. If you think about it, once you develop a platform that has a high degree of connectivity to other applications on the network, on the highway, with on and off ramps. And if you can, if you you can make that a highly efficient trade, yes, you're gonna you're going to create other industries out of your data. It doesn't have to be you. And, and I think that came across very well. You're you're not out there to do everything, but you want everyone to take advantage of it so everything can be done. Great point. If we're building the highway, right, we don't have to go build every building alongside of it either, right? But we right. create the infrastructure and allow opportunities there. But once you have that infrastructure, it is easier to go supplement or add to that for us because we did that foundational building block, right? Um, and if you haven't listened to that episode, it'll help give you some context to what we're talking about here with the interstate highway. But um, I, I think that's spot on. It's understanding that foundation. And then it's more easy to iterate on top of that if you're clear in terms of, hey, this is the infrastructure that we want to have in place to accomplish X outcomes. Yes, if you are listening to this, thank you for the reminder, Lucas. If you are listening to this, you can go listen to uh, on the uh, Intelligence Audubon, uh, which is uh, taking a ride to the future of security. And that's where we interview Manish Mehta about the interstate highway system that's being constructed around this whole risk and opportunity uh, idea. Um, Tom, you and I and Luke also had the opportunity to sit in a session, Chatham House rules, we're not gonna identify anyone in the session, but we had great learnings from that. Um, there was a, a very important uh, comment made by one of the chief security officers. And I thought it was brilliant. And she said, you can't, protect what you can't see. How right. interesting is that, right? You can't protect what you can't see. And of course, she had a great intelligence background too. So you must have been just excited to hear that comment, which is right on point. You know, if you're going to ask me to protect the company and I can't see through the data, I'm kind of, you know, right. arms are cut off. Yeah, no, I would totally agree with that. I would also add that, like, you know, you can't measure what you don't 
track and what you don't have exposure to. So, you know, it goes hand in hand. If you're gonna, you know, as a security operator or even director, CSO, you know, to make a bigger uh, impact on the organization, right? You have to hit the organization where it lives and breathes and that's in the ROI component, right? We talk about tracking metrics, showing value. You know, I heard um, not that long ago, somebody made a comment about, you know, is it, is it safe to assume that if nothing happens to an organization, it's because a security team was really doing their job? And I said, absolutely not. It's safe to assume that people think they don't need security at that point because nothing's happened, right? So getting exposure, you know, to business opportunities, business risk, and being able to like drive value there to the point where, you know, enterprises looks at the security team as something that they need involved on a daily basis because they're so resourceful. Yeah, so that I lit up when I heard that. I thought that was great. The other thing, Luke, is uh, uh, one of the top practitioners in executive prote protection came, came up to me and I said, how are you feeling? He goes, excited and scared. And I go, what are you scared of? He goes, everything I'm doing today has been disrupted. And, and yet he was excited too. He just was looking for that bridge to get from his current state to the future state. Are you seeing that a lot that you're dealing with that? Help me with the bridge, Luke. Well, yeah. Oh man, so many places to go with here. Look, in part, I think some of the individuals in the security landscape are used to dealing with the tools they have, right? They've come from pick your branch forward and you're out in the field this is the tool I have. If it doesn't work, I've got my fists. What do I do? Right? So they don't beg, right? What do you do? This is what I've got. So I'm going to make do with it. So I think it's also kind of re-educating on like, hey, in the corporate environment, you don't have to make do. You can actually present a business case that says, hey, I have something I can achieve, an outcome here. So you don't have to just sit there and say, I guess I'm using my fists if it comes down to it. I think the other piece is helping people understand how technology and leveraging data appropriately can be a scaling factor. And we see this with our clients. You know, if you, you know, leverage Ontic, you're going to find 6x the volume of threats that you had without Ontic. And that sounds like more homework, like, oh, shoot, that's more to manage. However, you're probably pretty good at managing, you know, X percent of that. Let's just say 50% of those. And so if it was 100 things you found before Ontic and you managed 50 of them, now you find 600, but guess what? Those same tactics are still gonna help you mitigate. So now if you can maintain that 50%, now you have 300 you've mitigated instead of 50. And so that idea of being able to be aware of what's even out there that needs addressing is I think a, a you know, basic first tenant. Um, but then even to Tom's point, how do you attach value when nothing happens, when everything is fine and be able to say, well, Everything is fine because not because we're completely safe. Go look at the world right now. Are you kidding me? It's a mess. But no, we're completely fine because we put the right people, processes in place to get the desired outcome that we want. You know, it. Um, what was cool about the summit as well is the prep work leading up to it. One of them was the survey you did with key executives in the ecosystem. And you know, I started out today talking about disconnected system and system integration, uh, but 70%, close to 70% expected an elevation of risk, right? That, then they said they couldn't manage because of the proliferation of data, the disconnected systems, and they were concerned about this lack of visibility, like the quote I gave you where I can't manage, I can't see. And so the opportunity is there 
to get back to this thematic line for the tail to wag the dog. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so now and we, Tom, we saw this in our executive session too, where one of the CSOs was still fighting the idea of how do I get to the table and maybe, maybe just maybe this is Ron talking, maybe just maybe they don't have to be physically at the table. Maybe the people who truly own the risk can be at that table as long as they have the data from that CSL. What do you think, Tom? No, I totally agree. I think, um, you know, like Luke mentioned, right? We're, we're working with clients and organizations that have brought years of institutional knowledge with them, right? They're used to doing and a thing a certain way, solving problems a certain way. And as you take a security professional that may have come from the government space or military organization and now comes into a, you know, an enterprise that's about, you know, it's not about national urgency anymore or security. It's about profit, profitability and ROI, right? It's a whole different conversation, right? And, you know, one of our participants, I mean, he could write a book on this. And I told him to his face, he should write a book on this as a security pro, you know, you need to start speaking to legal, like legal, you need to start speaking to HR and finance, like they speak, because sometimes as a security pro, you come in and you think, well, I have all this experience, I have all this institutional knowledge. My entire world is operated on trust, absolute trust, discretion. And so I expect that when I'm working with teams, right? When I say, hey, I really believe the risk is X and we should do X because I know it and I've been there, I would expect them to agree, but that doesn't always happen. So what's your next response, right? Well, you have to start speaking business, right? And it took me, I mean, ask Luke, it took me a while to figure this out. I'm still figuring it out, right? I mean, to start tracking metrics, tracking all the ROI data, demonstrating value. I think one of the, you know, I hate to say it, but an upside with COVID was the fact that security teams had to work in a decentralized fashion. They had to demonstrate value immediately because they weren't on site in front of people all the time. And how do you do that? Well, you have to do that with a, you know, a data-driven program, demonstrating value when you normally could have relied on assumptions that were no longer there. So yeah, there's a lot of, uh, we have a lot of headway to make in this, but I think we're, you know, we're in the right direction. That's for sure. You're definitely well on the way. So um, let's end this conversation with what's ahead. What's on the road ahead on the information highway here? What can we, without giving away too many of your trade secrets, what can we expect over the last part of this year uh, coming from uh, your, your leaders in uh, threat management? I, I think if you, um, if you go back to that interstate highway, right? We've got a lot of the foundation in place for that integrated um, a connection to the data and analytics that you require. Actionability is going to be a key piece of that next, right? And taking it from not just humans having to do all that action, but the technology itself leading the witness a bit um, to give a little bit of a tease there. Uh, because you're sitting on a lot of data, you have to make sense of it, you have to prioritize, you have to triage. If you don't do some of the foundational stuff now, you are gonna be very surprised. Who would have thought, right? If COVID didn't wake you up, maybe a war will wake you up. If not, maybe a Roe v. Wade redo will wake you up. There's always something on the horizon. So it's getting into that foundational element and allowing the data and technology to help inform decisions. So even as you say, tail wagging the dog, 
sometimes the data itself can be that tail wagging the dog and then take it again so you can be the tail wagging the dog again. So that we can compound that uh, metaphor a couple times over here. This has been a great conversation with the CEO of Ontic, Lucas Quanstrom, and his co-founder, Tom Kopecki, uh, the president of Ontech. Gentlemen, I can't wait to see what's next. Thanks, Ron. It's great to have us.